Jordan Rakai is Kiwi-born, Australian-grown, and has a penchant for soul-rooted alternative R&B. Jordan has released a slew of albums for Ninja Tune and continues to innovate and collaborate with like-minded artists. You're tuned in to Roots to Grooves. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Roots to Grooves. Yes, across from me is Jay Purcell, and across from me is Jesse Quigley. Yeah, yeah. We should. I do have a sound effect that goes applause, but it's pretty cheesy. So. <laughs> well, okay, well, maybe we should use it. We'll use yeah. it next time. Yeah. Welcome, everybody. Yeah. You know, it's Roots to Grooves. We're talking about Jordan Rakay. I say Jordan Rakai. Okay, okay. We were um, talking about this for a second before we recorded. Yeah, there's a few different uh, pronunciations of his last name. It uh, is a name that uh, has origins from uh, the Cook Islands, which is Jordan some... Rocky. Oh, <laughs> Jordan Rocky. That's yeah. That's what <laughs> one of these things was saying. I just hit play, and it says it sounds like Rocky. Where you, is that off of a uh, Google? It's. Uh, it's how pronunciation dictionary. Oh, interesting. How to okay. pronounce dot com. Okay. <laughs> how to pronounce dot com. Plug there for our unofficial sponsor. Yeah, we're not sponsored. Sponsor us. Um, he said uh, one of the ways that uh, he's heard it pronounced is thrake. Thrake? Yeah. Like he, and he had a bit of a like a Greek kind of Middle Eastern when he said it thrake or something okay. like that. <laughs> Um, I think you said that's how it's originally pronounced. He said though that um, uh, he's he's actually interested by how other people pronounce it. He doesn't actually dictate. He says Jordan Rakay or Jordan Rakai himself, mm-hmm. but he's not really offended by mispronunciations of his last name. Apparently, okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jordan Rakai from uh, born in New Zealand, grew up in Australia. Now based in London. Yeah, Hamilton, New Zealand, born and raised. Yeah. When he was three, moved to Brisbane. Yeah. We even get a little ahead of ourselves. Get a little bit, yeah. This guy (laughs) is like a solo artist, plays soul music. Yeah. Um, It's soul, it's Mm R&B, it's a mixture of the two. Yeah. Um, Any other genres you would throw in there? Uh, Future soul, Mm -hmm. uh, alternative Mm R&B, trip hop. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, not so much in his latest stuff, but on his very first EP, there was some, a few like reggae influences and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but not yeah. so much in his later material. Um, but yeah, he's multi-instrumentalist, sings, mm-hmm. plays all the instruments, although he sometimes has other people come in and play mm-hmm. on his records. Yeah, we heard somebody singing on that first track. Yeah. Who was that? Um, so that track that we opened up with was called Streetlight from his EP Groove Curse, featuring a singer called Gwen Bunn who I haven't really heard much of, so possible future episode on, on Gwen Bunn. Got she, a nice voice, sounds good. She has one solo album out on Spotify, at least, that came out in 2018. Um, but I've heard that track a bunch, the Jordan Require one, Streetlight, but I haven't really heard her stuff. So, yeah. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'll have to listen to some more <laughs> later. Yeah, so he was in Brisbane, Australia. Yeah. Um, I think he started playing piano when he was five. Yeah. That's one of his main instruments. I think he said one of the hardest to learn. Yeah. Yeah, he said, um, 
I think Stevie Wonder was a really big early influence for him mm-hmm. piano wise, and and he learned a lot about playing piano from studying Stevie Wonder tracks. And uh, I think at a certain point, he said he he got the book of sheet music for one of his albums, a Stevie Wonder album, and mm-hmm. he really studied that as well. So that's so, some good stuff to start learning. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think uh, I got a, a little bit on how he. His, some of his first memories of music in general, I think he said uh, his granddad singing when he was still in New Zealand. Hmm. So that when he's from zero to three years old. Yeah. Um, I think he remembered his mom singing around the house when he was really young. Earliest song he could remember is Waiting waiting in Van. I don't know if I wrote something down wrong, if that's the... Waiting in Van? No. That's Vain what I was thinking by Bob Marley. Yeah, I think it's Waiting in Van. I just it's skipped some letters. Yeah. So waiting in vain. So yeah. yeah. So yeah. there's some little reggae influence. Yeah, yeah. Stevie Wonder. Some what is Stevie Wonder? R and B. Yeah, soul, R and B. Yeah, classic soul. Yeah, Stevie Wonder. I think he invented yeah. it. He invented it. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was, he was some uh, early good stuff though. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I think um, he said like his dad did get into. Um, uh, playing instruments at a certain point but not when jordan was younger um he said there wasn't really it wasn't a musical household in terms of instruments Mm -hmm. and stuff like that but in terms of both his parents were really into music um but not in the industry of creating music no and being musicians themselves no although he said his dad did later get into experimenting with learning different instruments and so he was inspired by that seeing his dad like play with a few of his friends mm-hmm. messing around with a few things cool but he said his yeah his mum was like into sort of the old motown soul stuff and a bit of like 1970s disco mm-hmm. thing nice and whereas his dad listened to a lot more kind of crazy random experimental things all the way through some like experimental reggae to pink floyd and mm-hmm. a few things like so that. a nice wide range of, yeah. of genres yeah all good stuff sounds like yeah i have a couple other influences i listed from listening to uh some stuff he was writing or whatever yeah. uh radiohead yeah yeah fan yeah. uh d'angelo yeah i think he's a big fan of d'angelo james yeah. blake yeah he said is pushing music in a progressive way mm-hmm. yeah. pushing progressive music to the forefront yeah uh bonnie Vare also yeah so some big names some good really good art coming from those names yeah james blake let me just Google search his image if it's the guy I'm thinking of. Might not be. But I think he has a similar voice to James Blake. Have you heard much James Blake stuff? Um, I don't want to speak of it on, yeah. on the air because I don't yeah. know exactly, but I, I think yeah. I know. Yeah. But I don't want to yeah. pretend like I do when I don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Trying to All be right. honest with our listeners. Yeah. We, I respect you guys too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but he, um, he's like another singer-songwriter, kind of chill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. like acoustic yeah singer songwriter americana folk vibes yeah. right yeah i think so yeah soul stuff mm-hmm. as well i think yeah um yeah because it was interesting he was jordan Rakai was asked like you know who are some of your dream collaborations and he said well there's the unattainable uh dream and the possibly more attainable yeah the realistic <laughs> the unattainable he said it would be stevie wonder and Her- herbie hancock mm. Um, he said unattainable because he thinks like a lot of people want to work with those guys. So he would be like down on the list of people to. I mean, honestly, it, probably <laughs> yeah. both, both those guys are yeah. getting up there in age. Yeah, that as well. So they're, um, they're probably being more picky with who they work with as well as they go. Yeah. But James Blake and Bon Iver were 
on his attainable list. He said of dream mm-hmm. collaborations. So nice, yeah, um, yeah. And so uh, yeah, he's uh, started out. Jordan's first ever release was an EP in 2013 called Franklin's Room. He just released that um, DIY by himself on Bandcamp, right? Yeah, I think so. It might have even been back in the day of uh, the SoundCloud thing. Mm -hmm. There was like an era where SoundCloud was kind of blowing up. It's kind of of cool for a moment. Yeah, I think I know like Tom Meesh. You've heard of Tom Meesh? Guitarist, uh, guy out of the UK. He's like a multi-instrumentalist producer. I have heard that name, but I don't know any of the work. Yeah. Um, And Jordan's collaborated with him as well since okay but those it was like an alphamist as well i was gonna say yeah yeah he, he's worked with some prominent artists of the yeah. from the uk yeah and some i think it was we've talked about yeah all like a similar crowd of like the soundcloud was like the mm-hmm. place to be i think back in my day it was like myspace when myspace music had their thing right a lot of indie artists were on there and then like the next online platform that really blew up for like underground artists, I think, was SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, but now it's sort of not so much. I think now it's harder to find. It's actually really hard to find stuff on SoundCloud. I don't know if you've ever tried to like just discover, find it's, new things, but like it's kind of hard. I mean, it's, a, it's a good representation of the music industry in general, how it's kind of um, saturated yeah. with just a lot of music because right. home studios are easy to build these days. Mm-hmm. Um, which is awesome. It's great yeah. that everybody gets a chance to make music, but there's just a lot of it out there. Yeah. That's why um, we need curators like Signal and like Jay <laughs> and Bandcamp. Yes. Bandcamp do a good job. They do a bunch of blogs and emails of collections of different things that are happening, kind of thing. I mean, mm-hmm. Spotify is like the adult version, you know, quote unquote adult version of, of SoundCloud. And they do a really good job of, yeah. of curating playlists of similar music that you think that their algorithm thinks would yeah. jive with you and your music styles. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I only got good things to say about their algorithm. It seems to be working pretty good. Seems to work for the most part. Yeah. Obviously it's more difficult to get your music onto that platform though. That's yeah. the trade off. Yeah. Or like the playlists that they have that Spotify do. Yeah. There's Hopefully that. For right. Wrangling in the background to get on playlists, I think, and stuff like that. Industry shenanigans or something. The, the editorial playlists. <laughs> yeah shenanigans we'll call it yeah yeah um was gonna say was gonna say was gonna say my bad i don't know um i guess i'm just talking about his um his music he started making music on fruity loops oh well yeah um i think when he was 11 yeah and then he moved to cubase and then i think Maybe not up to the the recent moment in time in 2021, but he uses Logic a lot, mm-hmm. yeah. and he, he used that for at least a four or five year period. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Fun fact. Done. Fun fact. Yeah. And he, he said he has two ways of writing music as well. Like one will be when he's cooking, and he'll get like a random melody that will come to him from somewhere. Mm. He's like just like cutting onions or something. He said, and he'll grab his phone and sing it into the phone and then put it away inspired by vegetables yeah <laughs> and eventually like build something around that but he said most of the time he like comes to comment from it from a, like a beat maker's perspective so mm-hmm. he'll like create start usually on the keyboard or something and then build it up bass and drums and all that and then he'll write lyrics and melodies on top of that kind of thing mm-hmm. but um yeah i think he said he's, he's you know start on start from different 
areas like started song and guitar yeah. started on piano yeah. started from a beat yeah. in the daw yeah chop some onions come up with an idea <laughs> in your imagination yeah and yeah so that's one of his techniques just kind of try different things and come at it from a different angle to kind of go towards the same end goal yeah yeah so definitely yeah cool way of going about it mm-hmm. um what else we got on his early life or or music stylings or how he creates music should we play a song yeah we can i i dug up um his first ep franklin's room came out in 2013 uh it's interesting it's i would say it's a little rough around the edges this ep Mm -hmm. versus what he's come out with even his second ep and his releases after this like seemed way more polished to me um but franklin's room is a little little rough around the programming edges and uh some of the production mixing techniques and stuff like that but yeah but and it's definitely worth listening for context and stuff like that and like i'm sure yeah. there's good stuff in there i didn't yeah. listen to this one all the way through yeah or i didn't listen to it at all to be honest but um <laughs> well i can spin the first track give you yeah a let's get a little let's yeah. get a little context here for us all all right To the morning sun, then I sleep when the morning falls, yeah. and I bask in the morning's love till I can't feel the love no more. Uh, that was called My Time from his first EP, Franklin's Room. In 2013, when he was still living in Brisbane back then. So and, pretty good, uh, pretty, you know, very competent music. Yeah, the piano, piano work on that is really good. Mm-hmm. Like, sounds like there's a couple of layers, like he's got like one main piano riff and mm-hmm. he's like over dubbing it with a few other things kind of thing. Yeah, it's a nice texture for sure. Yeah. Um, the drums in that I thought were a little off kilter when I first heard that track. It sounded like a little out of time, even though it's programmed. <laughs> Which was like kind of intentional, but that's why it sounded a bit rough to me. But yeah, but um, yeah. Sometimes that's what they go for is that little like the the, yeah. the drum loop is kind of yeah not right on the beat. Yeah, yeah. And it gives it a nice kind of swing. As I call yeah. It. yeah, yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Uh, Akai MPC was the other thing he messed around with back in his early days of creating music. Oh, I was going to mention that. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've never messed with one of those. Have you? I do. I have one over there um it's really good like uh the pads on it i keep saying but the pads on that are like nothing on the newer things mm-hmm. but they've gotten better i got this tiny little akai keyboard and the pads on that are finally up to up to scratch up to snuff as they'll say when. which is the, the sensibility the, <laughs> yeah the amount of yeah trigger cause, response yeah because i got this akai keyboard that was like the mpk 4949 or whatever it's called 49 keys it had pads on it and they're really horrible. They're like not sensitive at all. I actually went on YouTube and I saw that people take off the pads and they stick like some felt underneath it and then they put it back together to like 
actually make them sensitive. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and I was like, but they've since gotten better at doing that. But it's it's interesting, Vakai, because the NPCs were like, I think it was Roger something. Roger Lynn was like the guy that like was the engineer that first created like the NPC. And he also created like the Lynn drum machine, which is like really popular. A lot of um, hip hop artists have done program beats on that in the early days of hip hop and stuff. And, uh, but with Akai, like, you know, they've, they've made different, you know, they're a big corporation. They've made different pieces of equipment and they haven't followed the same quality build or whatever of those things. And so, yeah, just geeking out for a little bit, but the NPC is like, you know, it's got the floppy disk in it, two megabytes of sound and, oh geez, you know, all that stuff. You can trick them out. You can like put a flash drive in it and all that sort of stuff. But, um, that's, it's a cool machine. It's, well, nice. Yeah. That's where you got his start. I <laughs> yeah. never used one. Yeah, yeah. It's good to go old school like that. You know, analog, even though it still was digital in the day, maybe. It was hip. It was the cool thing. I got a yeah. this little box here. Yeah, no computer, you know. So. Um, anyway, he was 21 years old when he released that. Uh, yeah. Less than a year later, 2014, he came out with the Groove EP. Yeah. Or Groove Curse. Groove Curse. EP. Yeah. And that was released yeah. on um, Soul Has No Tempo yeah. label. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I mean, just kind of working on his stuff more, releasing more. Yeah. Uh, and that's right before he moved to London. Yeah. So it was interesting. Like, um, he was kind of, he was said he was making a living out of music when he was in Brisbane. Like, he said he was able to pay his rent and he was doing shows and stuff like that. Um, and uh he said he lived a nice like chilled life in brisbane and he said the problem with that though is it wasn't challenging to him like um and and also in australia he was saying that you know the kind of the scene for the music he was making was really small mm-hmm. yeah he mentioned hiatus coyote they're from melbourne but he said that um they kind of blew up big in australia and mm-hmm. he said for that type of music the soul music it really um like uh set an example or precedent he said like oh if they can like do it then there's hope for him as well and for the other people he knew that were doing that type of music yeah 100 percent. and uh and he was connecting also with the people he was finding on soundcloud like i mentioned tom mission mm-hmm. alpha mist and uh he was he was they was were artists that i think he found uh, via SoundCloud and got in contact with them and were like, you know, your music's dope. And they were still rising at that time. They weren't that big either. So they kind of, you know, wrote back and be like, oh, you know, checked out some of his music mm-hmm. as well and stuff like that. Formed a bond that way. And uh, and that's when he realized, like, these artists were in London, you know, and there's like a scene out in London. And, the and f- yeah. Oh, well, this is kind of the Ninja Tune. Yeah. Is, is, is Jordan on... He is now, yeah. He's on Ninja Tune now? Yeah, yeah, and they're a London label, yeah. Bonobo's on there and Mm -hmm. a load of other big artists. Okay, I was just wondering that because, yeah, we've done a few artists who are on the Ninja Tune label and very consistent, very good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so the first thing he did is he went on a six-month trip to London. And and this is what I really thought was interesting and cool about him is he's like, we were talking about this off camera a little bit about the, the importance of having a plan <laughs> right. and executing a plan. And uh, he decided he wanted to go to London uh, because it would be a risk and it would be challenging. 
Um, but he did it in a smart way. He didn't like decide to just move out there. Like he said, I'm going to go for six months and I'm going to like make a bunch of connections. And, uh, and he actually also prepped like about 13 tracks back in Brisbane with the intention of when he was in London going, taking those tracks to a studio and finding like musicians to like play on them kind of thing. So, so I saw this one interview with him where he, he was, he was actually on that trip before he'd moved and he's like talking about it, like at that moment in time, which is really interesting. Right. And, um, and he said in that interview, Oh, I'm still trying to, I'm still feeling it out, but you know, I'm going to a lot of shows and connecting with people like Alpha Mist and Tom Mish and all that. And, um, and uh try and trying to play his own shows out there as well whilst he was out there because he said if you go that far you know traveling wise it would be silly not to try and play because australia's so far away so like isolated really from like the rest of the world kind of thing but um the other thing you mentioned is like if you're in london you're basically in europe and then you have the ticket to europe because it's a load of countries very close together mm-hmm. you know a lot of different cultures um and that so was the other yeah tactical logistical move yeah yeah and a challenge he kept saying a challenge more than anything else like he said brisbane's nice australia's nice he said the weather's great people are nice but it wasn't really challenging him musically or career-wise to stay there kind of thing mm-hmm. um you know kind of stagnating maybe a little bit like he wasn't able to really push things any further than where he'd gotten at that in brisbane right because it's not you know it's a major city but it's not really i don't know it's 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 for it's more isolated it's not as connected to the you know the 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 music trade yeah of of the world being so close to bigger cities and different countries and yeah easier to network yeah um you know better logistics for touring in small area exactly yeah um but also covering a lot of ground in front of a lot of new faces so for all these reasons yeah uh, you know, and I, one of the things that's interesting is just sometimes the change of perspective, just mm-hmm. being in a new city allows you to open up these, be, to see these different opportunities, even if there were some opportunities that he could have followed the path down in Brisbane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, But being in a new place just kind of forces you to look around and see new things mm-hmm. in a different way or yeah. the, the same things in a different way. Yeah. And that's all you need to to get started to help yourself start to follow these new paths and create the network that you want yeah, yeah. so definitely yeah. good move yeah. he's you know he's he's smart mm-hmm. putting yourself up for a challenge yeah yeah and you'll find what you're looking for definitely and um and he did that and uh he i think not long after that officially moved to london yeah in like 2015 around that time i think um and has not looked back since I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's been six years. <laughs> yeah. And, no, but good uh, for him. He's married now as well, by the way. Just throwing that out there. I, I had no know, idea. I don't know anything else other than other than the fact he said during COVID he spent a lot more time with his wife and his dog than he would normally. So Good for him. <laughs> good for wife and the dog. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> no touring or anything. Um, yeah, so Grief Curse, second EP, 2014. I think that was released around the time he was thinking about being in London. Some some of that s- stuff was pre- like recorded a little bit in London and Brisbane, mm-hmm. um, but then his first full length album, Cloak, in twenty sixteen, um, was when he was fully based over in London, and uh, I think this album like it has like mostly a live feel. I thought on listening to it, um, 
in terms of like the drums and everything like that. It sounds like a more of a band kind of feel mm -hmm. to it. Kind of all the way through. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, was that the, was there one drummer playing all the songs, one keyboard player? Um, I think so. I'm not. I'm not sure specifically on all of the people, but there was a appearance by a drummer. Let me see, Richard Spaven, who I came across recently doing the drop. Um, Richard Spaven's like a crazy jazz drummer. Like mm -hmm. he's like got his own albums out that are. I mean, it's just you know. You either like it or you don't like it. It's like drum heavy, drum forward. Right? Okay. <laughs> so you, I mean, so like, you're a fan. I like some of it. But I don't like all of it. Like it's funny with me. I like a good beat. I like I like good grooves, but I don't like too much fussy changing of rhythms. Drum and, wanking. Drum wanking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In a way, you know, uh, that stuff can be good, but yeah, I'm not like. I'd rather just. A couple of solid rhythms and like good melody or something like that yeah like, yeah like, yeah i think i'm on the same page as you yeah like i love the drums and i love the rhythm and the groove and the beat yeah but not as the main attraction yeah and the, the main purpose for listening to the track yeah or yeah. the album yeah whatever it may be yeah but um that's cool okay we can yeah. uh, let's, let's let's spin a track off of that that first full length yeah uh i have a track here called Blame it on the youth. Blame it on the youth. I guess. <laughs> so, um, I mean, good stuff. Yeah. Actually, that was the funny. I, I picked that was kind of probably more of the programmy, more sounding versus the live sounding that mm -hmm. I was alluding to. <laughs> so, I did not play an example of what well, I was describing. But No, that's fair. But yeah. it's a good time to bring up the fact that this guy has a different project going on called Dan Kai. Oh, yeah. And it's mm -hmm. a whole separate kind of pseudonym. Yeah. Or whatever for um, different music that he produces that's more along the lines of house or dance yep. type uh, music. And basically he's built these two separate communities. Mm -hmm. um, and Dan Kai is maybe not as popular mm -hmm. as Jordan Riquet yeah. in general. Yeah. Um, but in their own kind of venues, yeah. they both have their own communities and they both have people that, that like Jordan and like Dan Kai. Yeah. Um, and they're kind of separate and yeah. some of them don't even know about each other. I didn't know about Dan Kai until <laughs> research. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Jordan yeah. fans don't know who Dan Kai is and Dan Kai fans don't know who Jordan is. Yeah. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is what it is. But yeah. But just a, another testament to his, uh, creative ability. Yeah. He said the, the way it came about is he had a friend that asked him, can he make dance music? And he was like, I don't know. Let me, let me see. <laughs> And he did one track and then they released it. Dan Kai was born. And then Dan Kai was born, yeah. And uh and uh and he said he had he said he has three side projects, but I only talk, heard him talk about two. Dan Kai, 
and he has something else which he didn't give a name for, but it, it's more like modern classical, interesting, hmm. like experimental. That's been stuff. released. Um, he didn't. Re that's all he said about it, and I haven't been able to look deeper into that because there's no name associated. Before you guys come in, let <laughs> exactly, us know. Yeah, yeah. Hit us Who up. is this? What is this? What is it called? Yeah. How do we find it? What is Jordan McCoy's classical music project? But he did say that he's focusing more on. And what is the third? Because he also he didn't mention. He said he had three, and he didn't say anything about the third one. He just said the two. <laughs> what was the third? Jordan, Jordan let McCoy. us know. Jordan. Yeah. Um. And but he said he's been focusing more on Dan Kaya's like a of all of his side projects, he's like more focused on that one. Uh -huh. kind of thing. And um he released an album with that twenty twenty called Small Moments, eight songs. Right on. Um Yeah, he said he likes to do shows as Dan Kai, but not uh, yeah. doesn't really have the full time to do a full tour. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting when he mentioned it, he he was like Dan Kai is more like the, he was like, it was kind of like how actors talk about their characters. Like he was sort of talking about Dan Kai in third person or something right. like that, which is, yeah, interesting. It's kind of like the King Cruel thing of, yeah, the kind oh, of, come up with the sound. It's not King Cruel, so I'll create a different it, name. It's a different headspace, a different, yeah. you know, character, like you said, yeah. different alter ego who's, who has yeah. his, his own separate thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, about music and stuff, and so then there's the creative outlet for him. Yeah, That's and he said the good thing about this is he said he can do it all himself, just on his laptop. <laughs> doesn't need anything else, so you know. doesn't need an Akai NPC even. Exactly. <laughs> so failing all else, well, cool. He can, he can do Dankai, but um, but yeah. What what album was that called that we just talked about? Um, the Cloak, the Jordan Rakai first debut. Oh, album. that was the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then um, 2017, he, he did get signed then to Ninja Tune after being in London, having his first album come out. And then his first release for Ninja Tune was the album Wallflower. Mm -hmm. Yeah, new single called Sorceress. Mm -hmm. Pretty good. Yeah. He, um, got, he played the Glastonbury Festival at this time. Yeah. Got, uh, he did South by Southwest as well. Radio show performance for KCRW, which I would say is behind KEXP in, in having, or on the same level as having good in-studio performances. KCRW is out of LA, right? Uh, apparently they're in Santa Monica, oh. California. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess that's LA. That's close enough. Yeah. Yeah. For um, me. Did you say LA or did you say? I said LA. Oh. <laughs> Santa Monica's in LA. I don't know. It's not a geography. I had a brain fart. I thought you said somewhere I thought, else completely. I thought you said Portland or something. No, I said wow. LA. It's been a long day, man. Jesus. <laughs> These cables aren't working correctly. Where is there. Santa Monica? No one knows. <laughs> well, if you live in LA, people are like, Santa Monica's so far. Like, yeah, yeah. It depends on context. Everything Everything is by, uh, what does is, what is Einstein say? It's all relative. It's all relative. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I go. I only I like going to Santa Monica whenever I'm in LA. I have to go. To it's Santa a vibey Monica. spot. Yeah, it's the beach, big old beach. Got the pier. Got the the shops. Yeah, yeah. The Cali vibes. That's what I'm about. The view, the, the beach, and the the ocean. You could be a Cali yeah. boy if you wanted, Jay. <laughs> you almost were. Almost was, and then COVID happened. Yeah, yeah. Ah, everything's COVID's yeah. fault. Um, but yeah, Wallflower was was uh, shortlisted for best Australian album. Yeah. 2017 Australian Music Prize. Yeah. Pretty dope. South by Southwest, like you said. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and I'm pretty good. Yeah, it's just more consistent stuff, really. I think, like Jordan did say, he feels that people that liked his earlier stuff wouldn't like his, like, people that liked his first album didn't like his second album, but by the time he got onto his third album, like, the old people were liking him They're coming again. around again. Yeah, which is interesting to hear him say that, because to me, they don't sound drastically different. They mm-hmm. all sound like... Same wheelhouse, right? Thing. Same ballpark, um, yeah. Um, but obviously, he knows more. He he's in contact with some of his fans and haters. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. Keep your keep your haters close. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, but then, if you want to fast forward to the 2019, I do. Origin is his third album, again released on Ninja Chain. And this one's interesting because it's kind of like he's he calls it a uh, a sci-fi neo soul album or sci-fi soul album. Some little futuristic vibes. Yeah, he said lyrically he's exploring the themes of like a dystopian future. Mm-hmm. So he said every track has like a different narrative. Like he's talking in one song about space travel, and then in another song he's talking about uh, what if we have brain chips in our brains and how do we deal with that kind of thing and, and uh he, he him basically saying he realized when he was writing the album that he had he was always checking his phone and stuff like that and kind of addicted to it going on there and then he started to think he said that you know well if if now technology is just like the smartphone and we're so addicted to that what happens in the future where the technology becomes more deeply integrated <laughs> And he went to brain chips, <laughs> you know, if you had like... Well, yeah, and the the, the, the piece that's the connecting, um, what do you call it in, uh, in evolution, like the missing link? Yeah. Is like the Google glasses. Oh, yeah. And now like Facebook's coming out with some. Yeah. And we're starting to go into the metaverse. Yeah. yeah. So it's like we're on our way. That's the stepping stone. Yeah. It's the gateway drug to mind control. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like kind of the theme he said, like... The idea of this album, Origin, is that it's a world run by technology and some kind of government is in control of all of it kind of thing. And, and, so reality. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's describing reality. Okay. <laughs> not, not too futuristic not. of him. Yeah. I mean, and then like also how do we deal with that? What's our response to that type of stuff happening mm-hmm. kind of thing? Um no, but that is yeah. that is prevalent and prominent in our society. So yeah. important to get the conversation going. Um, he's helping to get more people aware. Yeah. So I liked some of these lyrics and thought process that he that he has in conjunction with his production techniques and vibes. Definitely, yeah. He's definitely seems a little deep, kind of almost on like publicly. His interviews are he's sort of you know not too. He's pretty reserved. Pretty reserved, but but. I'm sort of thinking about actress a little bit. Darren mm-hmm. J. Cunningham, we did an episode on who does, uh, we talked about how he is really a deep thinker, right? Yeah. And uh, is messing around quite literally with AI mm-hmm. coding algorithms to create music sort of thing. And, and an actress, Darren Cunningham, is very more, much more out there talking about all of this stuff on interviews. 
like probably more than anything else, like some of those concepts and stuff like that. Yeah, I remember he was talking more about less about music and more about architecture or yeah. or futurology, <laughs> yeah. and like the music was like secondhand to these yeah. other ideas. Yeah, which, which he would put the music through. Like yeah, some kind of music strainer. Right, and then that's how he'd kind of look at it. Yeah, which was really interesting. Yeah, it was just fascinating still to me. To yeah. This day. <laughs> But Jordan Rakai, I feel like he's kind of like in that same, he's thinking about similar things, but, mm-hmm. but he's not really elaborating too much on it out there in interviews mm-hmm. and stuff like that. He's more, I mean, he's more of a songwriter for sure. Like Actress isn't really a songwriter. He's he's like an audio collagist or something. Whereas yeah, he's Jordan like, Rakai is a songwriter. Yeah, Jordan yeah, Rakai is more yeah, of a songwriter, yeah. producer, actress. No, Darren Cunningham, yeah. more of a futurist or some technologist. Yeah, some yeah, music no, technologist. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like, mm. um, yeah, yeah, some like a scientist. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it just made me think about that a little bit as Jordan was explaining about this album, Origin, or Origin, however you would uh, like to pronounce it. I don't know. Let me go on howtopronounce.com again. <laughs> Oregon. Oregon. The Oregon Trail. Yeah. The Origin Trail. Uh, there's something good in there. Somebody use that. Somebody steal that. <laughs> you remember the Oregon Trail game? Yeah. Uh, oh. On computer? Was that like on Atari or something? Uh, I no, think it was. Something. I don't even. I was just on computers. I don't know what. Was it like what PC you would call game? It. Yeah, it was like a PC okay. game. Yeah. And you have like a covered wagon and you're traveling across. I think you've told me about it before. Yeah, probably. I I don't know why I keep bringing it up. But um, Anyway, but Origin. Yeah. On Ninja Tune. Yeah, single had Say Something. Yeah. Um, This was 2019, so not too long ago. Yeah. Um, But he supported it with music festivals, um, you know, playing live in summer 2019. Did a whole world tour. Mm Mm-hmm. Started in Brisbane, ended in Brooklyn, New York. Mm. Um, he did some work on NPR. He did mm. a Tiny Desk concert, which I watched. Oh, yeah? Which was pretty good, pretty great. I watched it all the way through. He had a big band. Mm-hmm. There's probably seven or eight people up there oh, wow. behind that Tiny Desk. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, the final song, he closed out by himself just doing a, a tune just with vocals and piano, which was cool. Nice. So, I mean, yeah, uh, just uh, saying that his, his live stuff is really good. Yeah. His live show's really good. Yeah, there's a good thing with the Origin Deluxe version, which is weird to see Deluxe versions on streaming platforms because it doesn't really make much sense to me. It makes more sense if it's like a vinyl or a CD because like even on Spotify, it's disc one and disc two on Spotify yeah, just <laughs> for the Deluxe album. <laughs> like, well, there's no discs happening here. Um, but disc two features a bunch of like live versions of some tracks from different sessions, BBC, uh, KCRW, and you can get a real sense of like the piano and like what you saw in NPR, I think, like mm-hmm. on this album, on the deluxe version kind of thing. Which would be cool yeah. to hear. Yeah. In a, you know, a track setting in a streaming setting. Cause it, yeah. it, it changes a little bit when you're, you're, you can see somebody playing live. Yeah. And there's good things and maybe not so good things, but mostly good things. Yeah. But it's an experience when you're visually seeing somebody play piano. I think you internalize the the sounds a little bit differently. Yeah. 
um, than if you just had headphones on and not really visualizing the music yeah. in reality or in video. Yeah. Um, I just feel like it influences you somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and therein lies the difference between live music and, and recorded music. Yeah, and he does really value the live experience. Mm-hmm. Like he said that it's he's meant to play this live, like he wants to play it live with the band and, mm-hmm. and have people sing along and have people enjoy it and have that interaction kind of thing. So he's not like some multi-instrumentalist producers that just like hide behind in the studio behind a computer between you know? yeah gadgets and boxes yeah. and like he actually writes his music so it can be performed out there mm-hmm. kind of thing like this sort of thing and yeah and, that's great and it, yeah. It, yeah he writes it and produces it and it comes across yeah just the same way pretty much yeah. very heartfelt very often minimalistic he's never going too progressive no. or wacky or crazy no and i know one thing he said was Earlier in his career, he thought music had to have a lot of, you know, key changes or, you know, tempo differences and to like all these different musical music theory tricks, Mm -hmm. quote unquote tricks. Um, But as he got older through his discography, he's kind of moved way past that. And he said, now it's okay to just chill. Yeah. Less is more. Yeah. 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 You could could be minimalist. You don't have to have a key change every five, you know, seconds and switches up and different changes here and there like you can just kind of get into this groove and really vibe with it yeah um if that's what you're feeling yeah and so that's a cool thing because i like i like the musical tricks Mm -hmm. sometimes like mgmt uses a lot of little things like that to make the music feel different and surprise you and take you like do little twists here and there um but I, i just see both sides it's great yeah just use some of the tricks he he likes to use them more minimally now Mm mm-hmm um, Jordan Riquet does, um, if it'll help, if it serves the song, if it serves the track, he'll use a little this yeah. or that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but it's not absolutely necessary. Yeah. But anyway, that's my point. Yeah. Now, he said his, uh, his, I think, yeah, I should have said this earlier, but like about his singing as well kind of thing, he feels that it wasn't as strong when he first started out as mm-hmm. where he's at now kind of thing. Um, he mentioned... And I think he's talking about lyrically as well. Um, like he did this track called A Tribe Called Government on Grieve Curse. He said that was the first track he did where he was proud of his vocal accomplishments, like what he was talking about and stuff like that mm-hmm. and singing it and stuff like that. But, he's got a uh, nice voice. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. It's very smooth. Yeah. yeah. Live, it sounds... <laughs> it sounds um, like he's hitting notes and stuff. I don't know. It's it's yeah, hard. Yeah. It's harder and harder to tell who's using auto tune, yeah. even live these days. Oh, you know. But is that do people use live auto tune? I think a lot do. Just like I mean, not for an effect, but like to keep. But just to, to, to make it sound yeah. good yeah. as a live voice, yeah. do not they do like because I've seen people do it like as an effect, and live, and that's cool but, too. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, some of those artists, I don't know, that one prominent one. I think like Lil Nas X or something like that. He does live auto-tune things. I oh, I, oh, and the other guy you're thinking of. Uh, Lil John? Uh, no. Lil something. Uh, I don't know. I can't think of it right now. But but there's been some use of prominent auto-tune where it like gives yeah. you that super yeah, yeah. robotic kind of sound yeah. that's obviously for an effect. Yeah. And that's great. 
and even these people who use that can sometimes sing on their own completely very yeah. well yeah um yeah. but i think a lot of artists these days are using a little bit of auto-tune in their live sets mm. just to enhance their vocals right that are, that, that are meant to sound like a raw vocal yeah yeah which yeah. you know is that cheating <laughs> that's the question is, is that like miming <laughs> i don't know like lip sync i lip. i think if it it's hard to sing, you know? I think if you're, the fans want to hear something good, mm -hmm. if, if it sounds like that's what's on your streaming track, yeah. I think that can enhance the, the live show. Because yeah. I don't want to be constantly distracted by, if you, for example, a singer who's just not hitting the notes very well at all. Yeah. That's not going to be a very fun show to go to. Like, I love this album that I can listen to at home that was recorded. Yeah. And I love this artist. Her voice sounds great. And then you go see that artist and they're playing the same exact music. No. But the vocals just are not at that level. But then it, I would say, though, isn't that like a l lack of talent or effort from the artists? Well, it, if they're it like is. going out of tune and they're not hitting. I mean, I, it I know is a it, lack of talent and a lack of effort. <laughs> I mean, I know it can happen I'm, if you can't hear <laughs> the monitors. Sometimes it happens at a show. Right. You can't, the singer can't hear themselves and then it's like to save you from in that. But, but otherwise, I mean, you know, I, like, yeah. Maybe not even talent, yeah. but yeah. yeah, maybe it's a technical difficulty yeah. monitoring issue. Yeah. But even if it is making up for a talent, yeah. I think you're still trying to, it depends, what, what's, what are you trying to deliver? Yeah. Are you trying to be in front of people and be like, hey, this is the real me, this is what I am? Yeah. Or are you trying to deliver these, these sounds and these feelings to your audience? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the question. Mm. What are you trying to deliver? Mm -hmm. What are you trying to communicate? Yeah. And I don't think it's... I don't I think guess it's, there's no right or wrong then, really. Yeah. yeah, I think it's completely subjective and it's yeah. arbitrarily what you want to do. I think it's the decision, maybe the motivation. Like If you're doing it to like live auto-tune to fix your bad singing, mm -hmm. but it's probably most people... Some people might do that, like pop artists. But, no, and the, it gets but, completely like philosophical yeah, almost. yeah. yeah. But if you're doing it because you care about putting on a good show, right, and you want to fix any bum note that might accidentally happen or whatever, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. just you know neither here yeah, nor there. Yeah. It's water under the bridge. But that is a little bit of a, a side distraction from Jordan Rakai, because I actually I have a live thing that we can play like from BBC from his deluxe album. I would love to since hear we're it. talking about live singing and pianoness and stuff like that. Yes, like, let's hit it. Yeah. Yes. You don't know, babe When you hold me And kiss me slowly It's the sweetest thing sweet gorgeous like uh, i was saying his voice is very good very soothing yeah. very soulful yeah. his, his melodies are nice 
That could have even been an Adele song. He could write songs for Adele. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I could definitely see that. Yeah. Um, his voice kind of reminds me of Sam Smith. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Kind of the, in yeah. the upper registers. Yeah. Um, although it has a little bit more of a, a little more body or presence. Jordan Riquet's does to me. Yeah. And I, I kind of prefer it. Yeah. Not that it's you have to pick one or the other. No. It's yeah. There's a few been. There's been like a few new sort of soul artists that have like Jordan Mackay voice mm-hmm. or he sounds like that. There was this one guy from London. I don't know if he's really releasing music anymore, but he's called Jamie Woon. And he was really good. I don't know what's happened to him. I don't know if he's making music anymore. Where are sad. you, Jamie? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Tom Mish. I'm surprised you haven't heard much of his stuff, but like you've probably heard a few things. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. Because he's he's similar, but he doesn't have he, his voice is weird. Like he sings on all of his tracks, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't say he's particularly a good singer. <laughs> he, it's funny, like it doesn't sound bad. It's just like he he's very clever with it. Like Tom Mish does sings in a way where it's kind of understated. Where it kind of sounds like he's half talking, half singing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's cool, but it, he gets away with it. Like, um, some of the best singers are not good singers. Yeah, you know? it's about the vibe you create, making yeah. it sound cool. Exactly. Yeah. You know, delivering something, communicating something, rather than just yeah, showcasing your vo- vocal ability. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've talked about this before. I think the different singers, like the vocal range and stuff. Mm-hmm. Some singers have a wide range they can do whatever but um but uh and and others don't and so they do it in a way where they can keep it like very in a sort of box Mm -hmm. they know their own limitations or whatever Mm -hmm. and stuff like that i think the one thing about jordan rakai is he did say at a certain point like when he was growing up he was listening to stuff like usher and beyonce and he said he really liked like the vocal runs that, that those types of artists did back yeah. then kind of thing so he has sort of i think he's, he's studied peered. it a little bit or influenced right. by that a little bit yeah 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 again yeah. going all the way from stevie wonder to somebody like beyonce you're getting, yeah. getting a lot of good stuff in there yeah yeah um where are we at what's his next album uh so his most recent one came out this year 2021 what we call life fourth studio album yeah and like a lot of artists um i've said this they say it's my most personal honest work today people are saying that about 2021 <laughs> albums uh i've heard it a lot recently yeah maybe music I'm, that came that was being or, created during 2020 yeah that as well as like i guess like if you've done like four albums or something like that then you're finally you're comfortable with being out there and doing things that you finally are going to write about personal stuff. Yeah. But I also, I mean, definitely for Jordan, this was written during lockdown. So it's a reflection period for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Age as well, you know, you get older and you feel like you can uh, reflect more on the rest of your life. You stop caring about like bullshit <laughs> yeah 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 just bs stuff that doesn't matter yeah yeah stuff that you thought mattered yeah like you know your your status or the clothes you wear yeah or the music you listen to or whatever yeah, you're, yeah. you know yeah so he said a couple of things about that like um um one thing was a track called family um which he wrote 
is kind of inspired by his parents' divorce. He said his parents got divorced when he was a teenager. Oh, I don't know that. Yeah, and he said it, he said at the time he said at the time it didn't really like affect him. He said because he was a teenager and he was like had friends and he had video games and whatever and he was sort of distracted and all that. Mm-hmm. And he said it didn't really affect him then. He said but now he's older like he kind of reflected on that and started to think about how it might have actually affected him like throughout life kind of thing. And so he wrote about that in the song Family on this latest album, What We Call Life, which I kind of think is kind of interesting. That's um, great. Yeah, I listened to this one all the way through and it's just good stuff. Nice. The other thing he said about that is like kind of like what you were just saying is um, he said he's sort of, he's realized that, um, you know, everyone's going through something. And I think you've actually said this on a different podcast as well, a different episode about, you know, how you walk down the street and you pass by a bunch of people, but they're all, they all have their own histories, their own, their own ups and downs and things throughout life kind of thing. And uh, Jordan said he started to think about that more as he's gotten older kind of thing, like not so much from his own perspective, but, but like he said, like he'll see a guitarist in the studio and, it, like, and they're playing and he'll like, he's like, I wonder what their childhood was like. Or something yeah. Like <laughs> Stuff yeah, like that. You know. Knowing context yeah. and references like that can, everything's based on something else. All the music that everyone's coming out with is based on other people's music that came out before them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're all doing this human experience thing. I think when you're looking at other people, like there is some kind of hive mind, greater consciousness. And when you when you look at somebody else, you're you're talking to yourself in a way. Yeah. You know, everyone's projecting what they know and what they've referenced in, in their context of their experiences. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty personal. Yeah. You know, even being with strangers, somebody you don't know anything about, you can still connect with them in a really strong way. Yeah. From a simple conversation. Yeah. And something like music really communicates that very quickly. And shared experiences, right? If you have a similar something that happened, there's like a connection there kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, The connection of playing live as well, being in the shared experience of hearing the song and singing along. That's a shared moment kind of thing, which is now part of your history. You know, we all bump into someone and be like, oh, you were that show? Oh, you know. Yeah. And then boom, connection. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, there was I was a quote. I can't remember the guy who said it. So bad at remembering who said things. I just the, the uh, thought comes in my head. Right. But it was uh, oh, I can't believe I can't remember it. I'm paraphrasing, but the quote was yeah. something like, "You can you can play a song to whatever hundred hundred thousand different people, mm-hmm. and and they'll sing it back to you a hundred thousand different ways, like from a different uh, perspective, hundred thousand different times." That's cool. Like a yeah. little bit of a different story, a different perspective, a different context from each yeah. one of these people. Yeah. And it's it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. How you can be saying something so direct mm-hmm. and singing about something with this mood and this vibe, and then somebody else could be like, Oh, I totally know where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. And if you actually talked about it, you'd be like, Oh, I was thinking something totally different than what you just right. said. Yeah. Not even close. Interpretations and interpretations, but yeah. based on your context of reference then it could totally change everything yeah so yeah. it's i don't know stuff's crazy out here yeah. jay it is yeah the humans the humans the humans out here <laughs> the peeps <laughs> um yeah but yeah i don't know this guy has a cool mind yeah i like what he's doing with his mind yeah 
I like what he's doing with his. Um, I think he was also saying this is the same guy I was reading about Jordan McKay. He was he wants to like he wanted to make like a uh, kind of like a master class. Oh yeah, and show how he's how's how he's producing things. Oh, um, but also like his mindset of how he's producing his own life mm-hmm. and like using meditation mm-hmm. and mindfulness mm-hmm. to empower yourself to create the things that you want to create and to fulfill yourself. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool because yeah. as I kept reading about this guy, he continued to, to um, you know, build, build that bridge between like the mind and the music mm-hmm. And and sometimes it seems like it's so separate or people are just doing it for fun or, oh, they just come up with music so easily. Mm-hmm. But some people, then when they bring it out and they talk about it like this, it's like it's so obvious that it, there's such a connection between your mind and your thoughts yeah. and to what the things you're creating and, and how you're able to do that and how you're able to process and be efficient and, um, yeah, how you're able to build things in your life and build your life in general. Yeah. So I thought that was one of the coolest things. And this guy just has a cool mind. Hmm. music connection and and just his connection with reality and his his consciousness and experience so yeah i just hear him like allude to this on this last album he said he said musically he said he made no compromises and he also feels that this album shows people um what what his brain is like musically mm-hmm. yeah 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 <laughs> that's what he said yeah. that's great yeah yeah I mean, so yeah. putting putting himself on blast a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, being vulnerable. Yeah, and that's definitely. cool. Yeah, if you're in a like you were saying before, you're in a comfortable enough position to be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, and uh, yeah. I, I guess a few other things around that, like he he likes to collaborate a lot um, with different people, and he says it was challenging during lockdown virtually. He said you can't he said he couldn't really do it like they made it work but he said you have to be in the same room he said like there's just something about the magic of being in the room with the other person mm-hmm. where you're throwing ideas back and forth and there's the energy and stuff like that and he said like when he was trying to do that like over virtual things with like a five second delay and all that he said it just wasn't really <laughs> working kind of thing like in the way that he experienced before sort of thing um and he also says when he's collaborating with someone, he likes to provide a vehicle for that other person to uh, communicate their ideas, which I thought was really interesting. That is cool. So he doesn't approach it from like, oh, I got all these ideas. Like, this, you know, he's like sitting back and kind of seeing what the other person has, you know, what ideas they have, what direction they want to take it in. And then he uses his input on that kind of thing to kind of guide the collaboration which instead of dictating or you know like i got a sick beat put some vocals on it exactly like actually like yeah yeah, thinking about it more yeah um esoterically yeah yeah kind of you know because it's such a weird thing music it's just so it's so powerful and it's just vibrations and there's so many things you could do that that but that's super cool that he's yeah. he's like how can i what which vessel like i have my ideas yeah, yeah my voice memos beats yeah which vessel will bring this person to where they need to go yeah yeah, yeah. and internally you know bring me where i need to go yeah speaking as as jordan here yeah but <laughs> paraphrasing guessing don't know 
But yeah, all this stuff goes to show. I think he's a cool guy. He's got his head on straight. Mm -hmm. He makes great music. Yeah. He's going to continue to make great music. And I think, um, you know, he's helping to put cool ideas out into the world. And that's really powerful. Yeah. So I support him. Definitely. Um, yeah. So his new album just came out, 2021. He said he has booked a tour for Europe next year, 2022. And US as well. He's trying to get back out there on the road. So he's looking forward to that, obviously. Let's go see him. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if he's coming to a Seattle near us. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> We're here if you're coming. <laughs> exactly. Let us know. Um, but that's all I got on Jordan Rakai. Yeah. Me too. Good um, stuff. Yeah. Is Jay's pick? Yeah. If I, it's from the UK, you know it's Jay's pick pretty much. <laughs> Uh, I I think I didn't say it was the top show. How did I find out about him? I think it was through YouTube or like a collaboration mm -hmm. he's done. Because we have talked about Jordan Mackay on the Alphamist episode, I think. Right. Um, there was like a whole video collaboration he did that was filmed with them in a studio kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go back to the Alphamist episode. We talked about that. Yes. Um, and Jordan's approach in that session um but yeah and this album we can play out of a track i guess from it but it's interesting there's there's some like 80s vibes happening in there there's a bit more mm -hmm. sprinkling of like electronic stuff you know i'm down for that. that yeah 80s and electronic yeah but mixed with contemporary yeah and then some like faster rhythms which i think maybe is on one of this track that i've got here some fast funky all right i mean i don't beats. know what you're gonna play neither do i <laughs> I've only listened to this once and I, I have two tracks in front of me. I can't remember which one. This will be a last minute one. decision. This last, I'm going to go with Brace because that, or what, now I'll do Runaway. Ooh. Which one sounds like it would have crazy shit in it? Runaway? If or you said Brace, brace I'd be like, Brace yourselves. <laughs> Strap on in because it's about to get wild. Brace? That could go either way. That's, that's where I'm leaning, but I don't know what we're going to get. All right, here we go. Uh, hey, hit us up if you guys got any comments, concerns, questions, cool facts about Jordan Riquet. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. We're here for you to learn and to grow. Yeah. If you got anything for us, hit us up at the email. Roots to Grooves at signalradio.com. S-I-G-N-L radio.com. And uh, yeah, out.
Roots to Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com.